Hello, greetings, and welcome to the Champion's Way. I am Connor, and I greatly appreciate you taking your time to listen to this podcast. And I do mean listen, because even on YouTube, uh, there's going to be no video uh, uh, part of this uh, particular uh, episode. I didn't think it was needed, to be honest. Uh, there isn't really much to show or to see. Uh, this is just going to be a review of AEW Revolution 2022. Now, for those who don't know, I am a huge AEW mark. I, I like wrestling in general. Uh, I got into wrestling a few, uh, like, a decade ago at this point, actually. Uh, and ever since then, I, I've been slowly expanding my borders as far as what I enjoy with wrestling. Uh, and now AEW is is, is my uh, a main of uh, of watching wrestling, of, of taking it in and of enjoying it. I watch uh, Rampage and Dynamite every single week. Uh, I sometimes catch Dark and Dark Elevation, and I also watch a bunch of the um, like the extra stuff, like the podcasts and the vlogs that AEW put out uh, constantly. Not just officially, but also like Ethan Page's toy hunting vlog, uh, you know, Evil Uno and Sammy Guevara's vlogs, uh, the Being the Elite, you know, stuff like that. Um. With that being said, uh, I, th I think I should just jump right into it, because this was a big show. I think it was about five hours of content from start to finish, uh, including the hour-long buy-in, or the pre-show, they call it a buy-in at AEW, um, and then the four hours of the main pay-per-view card. <laughs> it was a lot. I, I literally looked at my mum and I said, I actually think... The buy-in is at 10.30, and it's probably going to run, I'm probably going to be done by 3.30. And she just looked at me like, what? That's nonsense. And I'm like, no, it's going to probably be that long. Knowing eight, like, seeing how many matches were on this card, there were 12 matches total. So, you know, 12 divided by 5, you know, that's two and a half matches per hour time for entrances and, and, and promo segments and, 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 you know, knowing that some of these matches were going to have uh, uh, blood, <laughs> obviously time for the ring crew to clean the blood off, uh, you know, not just COVID safe, but like just, you know, um, health safe in, in general. So starting off with the buy-in, uh, there were three matches on the buy-in, and if you haven't seen it, or you want to sort of know what AEW is like and what it's about, and why you've got this one nerd ranting and raving about how good it is, uh, you can go watch the buy-in, it's free, the, it's, it's an hour long and it's on YouTube, so go check it out when you can, it's well worth your time, at least I think it is, it was well worth my time, because I don't really usually watch the pre-shows, uh, even for AEW, because uh, because their pay-per-views are long enough as it is, but I, there were some shows on, the uh, matches on this show, I should say, that were way too, uh, I needed to see what, needed to see them, like, I needed to watch them. Uh, first of which, the first match of the night, uh, to really get the crowd pump, pumped up, is uh, Layla Hirsch versus Chris Statlander, and this match got a This Is Awesome chance. Uh, the first of the night, of which there were actually quite a few. Uh, this was indeed awesome. Uh, this has been a feud where uh, Layla Hirsch has been turning heel on Chris Statlander. They were friends, they were team members, but then Layla Hirsch got a bit of a chip on her shoulder and just started taking her anger out on her friends. Uh, this match, uh, both of these women are super strong. Chris Statlander is 
uh, quite a bit larger than Layla Hirsch, but then again, most people are. Layla Hirsch is quite small. Um, height-wise, I should say, she's quite a strong woman. Um, Statlander, I think, has it in the strength department and in the height department, but Hirsch, her technical wrestling ability, I think, is a bit better than Statlander's. The two of them have very strong athletic styles, with Hirsch having a bit more of a, a, a amateur wrestler style. And Statlander being more of a pure horse, pick you up, throw you around, do a backflip, land on you, that sort of stuff. And both of them do it really, really well. They're both great wrestlers who have improved immensely ever since they joined AEW. Uh, and I think this was a brilliant match that showcased both of them. And the finish of the match saw Layla Hirsch slip out of the ring, pull a turnbuckle hook, so a metal turnbuckle hook out from underneath the ring and when the ref wasn't looking whacked uh statlander in the forehead got in the ring did her her like her her run up the turnbuckle moonsault off the top rope finisher which is a brilliant looking finisher uh lands on statlander one two three for the pin layla hirsch wins and rightfully so i think hirsch needed the win more than statlander did um I think Statlander's established enough as a star that you can just sort of throw her into like a winning streak at any point in time uh, and, you know, build her up to be a, a, a title contender at any point. I think Hirsch needed a, a bit more in the way of more wins and more stories before uh, she's really seen by the core AEW audience as uh, a contender, which I think she is personally. I love Layla Hirsch. I think she's great. Uh, great match, brilliant. Uh, I genuinely thought the uh, opener was going to be uh, the, the a match later on in the buy-in, but I can't really fault the placement of any of these matches uh, The just purely because of how good the buy-in was. Next on the pay-per-view buy-in was Hook versus QT Marshall. Now, Hook is, is great. I, I, I think he's had his praises sung, uh, well long enough at this point. I don't think I need to say it anymore, uh, other than the fact that he's just great. Um, super cool, just walks to the ring, beats the guy up, and leaves. He doesn't even cheer or showboat or anything. He just he just just goes in and, and, and hurts him and leaves. Uh, and this was a little bit different in that QT Marshall is probably the, um, you know, as far as, like, it's concerned, he's the most veteran of all the people Hook has had to deal with. He's got the most like cheeky tactics and the, the best veteran instincts. So he gave Hook more of a challenge in that QT was just, you know, uh, more wily and more ring aware. And uh, that's actually a really good story to tell. QT is essentially Hook's like um, first boss battle or like the, the boss battle at the end of the tutorial. Like Hook has been like grinding for XP and now this is the boss battle for them to fight, um, for him to... Uh, overcome so we can get to the next stage, which I think is uh, a great progression uh, for Hook. I'm very interested to see where Hook goes next. Uh, he won with a red rum in a brilliant little, you know, five-minute match. Great. Awesome. Loved it. Can't say anything bad about it. Next up, the final match of the buy-in was uh, Pac, Pento, and I hope I pronounced this right, Obscuro? Obscuro, I'm just going to call him Penta, because I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, and Eric Redbeard, formerly of uh, the Wyatt family, Eric Rowan, uh, taking on the House of Black. Uh, House of Black is by far my favorite thing, <clears throat> excuse me, in all of wrestling. Uh, 
Malachi Black is legitimately my favorite wrestler in the world. Uh, I love everything about his in-ring style, but I also adore his storytelling and character work. Uh, then you've obviously got his tag team mover, uh, Brody King. Uh, they were the kings of the Black Throne. Uh, and then you had the addition recently of Buddy Matthews. And Buddy Matthews and, and Malachi Black, when they were back in WWE, had some amazing matches. Uh, they actually had like a proper feud and storyline around those matches. Uh, that led into stuff with Seth Rollins and all that. But here... Uh, we're seeing them team up rather than feud. And it's great. Uh, so much history between these two. So much history with... Uh, 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 Buddy Matthews is, is the guy who gouged out Malachi Black's eye. <clears throat> uh, gave him the, the, the wonky eye that now Malachi Black has the... Where's the... Uh, the um, What's it called? The uh, contact lens uh, for. So it's great. It's great stuff. He joined a few weeks ago. They set up this uh, this three-man tag match. Uh, the, and man, it was awesome. Uh, highlights were things like just seeing a little bit of Penta versus uh, Buddy Matthews. Please, I need more of that. I need to see that match. <laughs> um, I Give him 30 minutes. It, it just let them go. It'll be amazing. Um, we also got to see Malachi do some awesome heel stuff. Um, there was a moment where Malachi had, uh, I think it was Puck, in a submission maneuver. And Puck was actually close enough to grab the ropes. And Malachi just leans over and goes, Buddy. And then Buddy leans in and distracts the referee. And then Malachi like keeps on flicking Puck's leg off the rope. And Puck is fighting back. It wasn't just like a clean flick and off. It was like a, a struggle to force his leg away from the ropes. Uh, it was brilliant. I loved it. It was a little thing. Um, but it was great. Uh, Redbeard. Eric Redbeard is actually super over, and I'm super happy about that, because I actually like him a lot, and part of that is because I love the Wyatt family, uh, but he's also good at what he does, he's a big guy who's, like, fast and athletic enough to not just be a big guy, he's not, like, super athletic, he's not super fast, but he's, he's fast and athletic enough. But you throw him into the ring with a guy like Brody King, and there's this moment where they just look at each they get into the ring, they're staring each other down, the crowd's getting hyped, and then they just run in, and it's like two like it's like two deer or two rhinos or two bulls just clacking heads over and over again. Like, like they do it for like a good 30 seconds, just bang, bang, bang into each other. And it's brilliant. It's just, it's just two big guys, and you can hear it too, the, the, the big, thick, meaty men just slapping meat. Big E must have been having the time of his life watching this. Uh, this match, like, it had so much going on in it, as, as, as these sort of three-man matches often do. Um, everyone involved is great. Uh, the, the finish came when it was... Um, just Eric Redbeard, Malachi, Buddy, they were, they were in the ring together, and Buddy and Malachi were trying to sort of figure out how to get the big man down. They slowly chop him down, uh, hit him with a bunch of finishes, like a, a black mass, I'm not even sure if that's what it's called anymore, uh, but a black mass, uh, uh eventually missed the eye, Brody King gets a hit in on him, like, it takes a lot to get Eric Redbeard on the ground. Which is awesome. I think it's really cool that they, they, they put him over like this. Uh, so yeah, Redbeard finally goes down. 
they get the pin on him, House of Black wins, right decision, uh, because obviously House of Black is a proper team at the moment, you're trying to push them, while of course, uh, uh, Death Triangle isn't even at full power, because they don't have all three of them, uh, Eric Redbeard clearly took the place of, uh, uh, Ray Phoenix. Even if Phoenix was there, I would have said House of Black because I'm biased. Uh, literally, House of Black, the only AEW shirt I own at the moment because it costs like $75 Australian to get an AEW shirt here in uh, the land down under. Um, that's including shipping, mind you. It's the only shirt I own is a House of Black one. It's a House of Black tank top because uh, it looks like it also just looks like a death metal album and I, I can wear it and people could assume that I'm just into metal, which I am, by the way, part of the reason I love House of Black. Um, but also, they're just so cool, their entrance, uh, the new music, I can't wait to have the House of Black's entrance theme actually up and available, uh, both, uh, Malachi's solo theme and Kings of the Black Throne theme are on Spotify and YouTube, and they're great, um, them having matching antler skull masks was so cool, um, everything about House of Black is so cool, effortlessly cool too, I could never be that cool, no matter how hard I try. But yeah, that was uh, that that trio's match rocked. All three matches were amazing. They had they were they were different in their own way. Uh, well worth checking out, uh, just for these matches alone. However, somewhere in here, I think it was actually after the Statlander ma the Hirsch Statlander match, Don Callis comes out. Now, what, what happened was Tony Schiavone goes to the ring. So he says, you know, I got someone to talk to, a big, big interview or whatever have you. I don't know what he said exactly, but basically I'm in the ring. I'm here to talk to someone. It's going to be big. Points to the entrance ramp. Kenny Omega's music starts playing. Now, Kenny Omega's been away for months. He was the previous world champion, one of the best wrestlers in the world, if not the best. And the crowd is hyped. And I'm just imagining people uh, in line getting like food or at the merch stall or in line to go to the bathroom before the, the, the big show starts. Because they, you know, maybe they don't mind missing the hook match because they know Hook's gonna win or whatever, and they they like hear Kenny Omega's music, so they rush to the you know to the stands to be like, oh my god, Kenny Omega's here, and then that human garbage can called Don Callis walks out, just posturing to the crowd in his dumb suit, in his dumb shoes, and his dumb glasses, which probably aren't all that dumb, but they're dumb because he's wearing them. And he's like expecting somebody else. Like he literally says that. And he plants a bunch of seeds for future feuds, including stating he thinks that the Young Bucks will win the tag match. Um, he thinks uh, that Adam Cole will win the, the title match, and he'll be a great transitional champion for when Kenny Omega comes back and takes the title back. Uh, he also, obviously, uh, he also says, um, he thinks Adam Cole's done really well, you know, planting, you know, he's, he started a faction within a faction, a sleeper cell, if you will, planting a bunch of seeds for, uh, uh, the Elite's eventual implosion. Can't wait for that. Don Carlos is great, one of my favourite heel acts <laughs> in AEW is genuinely Don Callis. He's so easy to hate, and he does it so well. So yeah, that was also on the pre-show. I got to see that troll, like him troll the whole audience, including me, for free. I loved it. Um, I loved everything about it. It was great. Oh, uh, just, it's worth watching, man. That, that pre-show, if you haven't watched it yet, go watch it. It is, it is worth your time. It's an hour and it's free. Go check it out. The first match on the actual card, however, getting into the main cards, the actual, the, extra, the section you had to pay for, um, 
the first match, I did not see this coming. It was Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho. Uh, and at this point, I also want to put it out there before I get onto this, is that I, I did actually uh, like write down who I thought was going to win each match. For the pre-show, I was completely right on everyone. I was three for three. Uh, you know, Hirsch, Hook, and uh, House of Black. I thought all those people were going to win. Uh, for this one, I had Eddie Kingston winning. My heart said Eddie Kingston. The cautious side of my head said it might be Chris Jericho, because Chris Jericho is pretty a big name, right? They might go that route. They might have it so... Because Eddie Kingston, the whole story moving into this is that Jericho's a jerk, uh, but he looks at Eddie and says, you're a loser. You could never win the big one. And he's, he's right. Jericho is right. He's a, he's a horrible person by saying it like that. But he's right. Eddie's never won the big one. He's never really held that title, uh, a, a title or, or won a feud in AEW yet. So he's right. Eddie can't win the big one. So here, here is uh, Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho. Uh, one of the, you know, as far as I'm concerned, when you talk about the big one, this is pretty big. Um, <laughs> it's heel Jericho. Uh, he's walking out. The crowd is singing Judas. He's he's no selling it, which is great. And then uh, <laughs> Eddie Kingston comes out. The crowd just goes berserk. People love Eddie Kingston, and it's it's easy to see why. He comes out, walks in, and he pops Jericho with this huge. I think it's a half and half suplex. Uh, drops Jericho right on his head. Jericho takes it hard, man, and it, it, I'm thinking, oh, he's just killed a man. <laughs> uh, and the plan literally was uh, that, uh, it was literally, it turns out apparently the plan was for the match, for Eddie Kingston to hit that and Jericho to take it hard to make it look like Kingston is here to actually hurt Jericho, uh, which is great. I uh, love it. Um, Jericho looks in tremendous shape. A lot of people have said this, uh, it seems like after the health scare he had last year, which he did have one, uh, I think, I think it, the, 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 the sudden realization of, man, I need to start looking after myself came upon him. A bunch of people have said it might be that he's not drinking any more alcohol, which, uh, of course could absolutely be the case because, um, alcohol does make you quite puffy, um, does, does, uh, cause you to bloat. Uh, we saw that with, uh, John Moxley. He obviously, um, has lost quite a bit of weight as well. And part of that has been him, uh, dealing, you know, uh, kicking his, well, I don't want to say kicking his, uh, but like, you know, uh, going, uh, taking a break, uh, dealing with his, uh, his, uh, uh you know, his demons, uh, and coming back and looking in tremendous shape. So much, uh, respect for John Moxley. And I have to say, if Chris Jericho's going down a similar route, uh, respect to him as well he's done so well he actually looks younger by like half a decade like he looks like a different person it looks like chris jericho for the past five years has not existed um so it's it's brilliant and also he's a better wrestler i think like this like his match with eddie kingston was awesome here um there was some really awesome spots eddie kingston's chops man they are uh, I love Eddie Kingston's chops. Um, there were code breakers. Uh, there were uh, there were walls of Jerichos, and it Eddie Kingston fighting through all this stuff, getting through this. At one point, Eddie Kingston hits a back fist. Um, doesn't quite get the pin. It was like two point nine 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 recurring man. Um, or at least it felt like that to me because I wanted Eddie to win so bad that any kick out felt like it was like oh he almost had it. Um, Kingston was genuinely developing a shiner, like, like a black eye, 
uh, at that point. Um, gets to near the end of the match. Kingston swings around, hits a back fist. Jericho bounces off the ropes. Kingston swings around, hits a back fist. Jericho hits the ground. Kingston grabs Jericho, uh, puts him in the uh, the stretch plum, I think is what it's called. Uh, and he just starts yanking on Jericho's arm, putting torque into this, putting him in this submission. And he they're there for like a minute, where everyone's just like screaming for Jericho to tap. And eventually, Chris Jericho taps out to Ed Kingston. And Eddie steps away and and goes to the corner and then looks at the ref and is like, wait, I won? Are you sure? Are you, are you sure? Like, Eddie doesn't believe it that he won. Like, not even like a, I don't believe it, I won. Like a, no, you're sure I won. I don't, like, he's genuinely like, I don't win. It, it was in his head. He was in his own head. And when he won, he couldn't even accept it. And I was like, I was actually getting emotional. I'm like, Eddie, please. You're great, man. Like, I was so... It was such great character work. For him then to be like, Oh, I beat Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho said that if I beat him, uh, he'll he'll shake my hand and say I was the better man. So Eddie, you know, also being a bit of a jerk himself, walks over to Chris, quietens down the crowd, puts his hand out and says, I respect you, Chris. Now shake my hand. Chris Jericho gets up, conflicted, goes to go do it, and then just walks out. Like, not even like a psych moment. Like, he's, he just can't do it. Couldn't bring himself to, to shake his hand. Such a great match. Uh, the story being told is brilliant. Uh, I, 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 I'm curious to see how this, this, this goes with Santana and Ortiz uh, and with the whole LAX stuff and um, the inner circle. Uh, I can't imagine LAX is going to be particularly happy with Jericho not shaking Eddie Kingston's hand, like he said. Uh, and man, it's 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 good storytelling, and I'm glad Chris Jericho is heel again because as much as I do like face Jericho when it works, uh, I think a, a, a heel turn it's time, and I think he he does all his best work as a heel anyway. Next match, <laughs> like I'm thinking, all right, cool, yeah, no, this is a great opener, got me hype. Uh, then we move into the triple threat tag match for the tag team championships with the Young Bucks, Red Dragon, um, and Jurassic Express. Now, for those who don't watch AEW, Jurassic Express uh, is the son of famous actor Lou Perry, calls himself Jungle Boy, uh, and a like a six and a half foot tall man who calls himself Luchasaurus, and his whole deal is that he's a dinosaur. I'm serious. He's a dinosaur. It's not like, uh, oh, I like dinosaurs. No, he, Luchasaurus. He's like, that's his. That he's a dinosaur. Uh, no one actually thinks he's a dinosaur. Either he's insane or he's ex he, he's he's an insane man, and everyone just goes, yeah, cool, whatever, man. You're a dinosaur, or he just lives the gimmick in kayfabe. <laughs> uh, either way, I love Jurassic Express and I love Luchasaurus. He has the best. I actually genuinely think Luchasaurus is the best hot tag in the world right now. Um, it, he goes off every time. Um, and the crowd loves him. And everyone talks about Jungle Boy having the singles run. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Luchasaurus do a singles run either, to be honest. Uh, but either way, uh, the story going into this was essentially Young Bucks and Red Dragon are both vying for the titles. And... They're meant to be friends through Adam Cole. They're meant to be part of the same faction. And they're just not getting along. 
and you see this you see at the start that the they initially try to work together you know they beat up jungle boy for a bit keep him away from luchasaurus but then eventually one of them goes for a pin i think it's like uh one of the bucks i think it might have been matt jackson went for a pin and then carl o'reilly pulls him off uh, out of the pin and goes dude what are you doing we had a deal and he's like oh, okay there we are the slow progression um the <laughs> this is a young bucks match so expect it to be insane it's a red dragon match so expect it to be good it's a jurassic express match so expect some awesome creative spots to happen uh jungle boy I mentioned that Luchasaurus has one of the best hot tags in wrestling. To add to that, Jungle Boy has a has these great hope spots that he does, where he like he's on one side of the ring and he has to get back to the other to tag Luchasaurus in, and it's like the survivalist like flips and slides and jumps and and leaps and backflips and 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 uh, twists and turns and like he eventually gets there and there was this great one actually this great uh moment where he didn't get there he's going through like four people like he slipped through uh you know the red dragon he's he's gone past one buck goes past the other like flips and slides under another one and jumps over another he's uh, literally comes from out it goes outside the ring back into the ring about to tag luchasaurus and right before that happens bobby fish rips luchasaurus off the off the uh, apron it was beautifully timed looked so good uh, there was a spot where Luchasaurus is going wild, splashing in the corner, pump kicks, the tail whip kick, uh, but there was one point where Luchasaurus is on the ground, <laughs> two people walk up to go grab him, I think it's both members of Red Dragon, and his hands come up and grab both of them around the throat, and he's on his back, and while holding these guys around the throat, he kips up and lands on his feet and does a double choke slam on both members of, no, it's the Bucks, and both members of the Bucks, uh, both Nat, Matt and Nick Jackson. But then, Red Dragon comes up, he, he slams one of them down on the ground, grabs the other one by the throat, picks him up, and choke slams him onto the other guy! Which we've seen him do stuff like that before, but he did a double choke slam, guys! No one does a double choke slam successfully. It always ends in them getting kicked in the gut. Great spots. There was another great spot where Carl O'Reilly gets knocked back, bounces off the second rope, gets super kicked in the face, bounces off the bottom rope, and comes in and there's like a triple clothesline, a triple down. Eventually, the Young Bucks and the uh, Red Dragon miscommunicating, accidentally hitting each other, kicking each other off the apron, arguing, punching each other in the head, getting physical. Uh, eventually, Jurassic Express uh, capitalizes on this. And I think rightfully so, Jurassic Express wins, defends their title successfully, and rather than focusing on Red Dragon and Young Bucks and what they're doing, the cameras and the commentary focus on, on Jurassic Express. And there's just this one shot where they're both sitting down next to each other, they're both holding the titles, they're both hugging each other side on, and I'm like, I love this tag team. They're so great. It's, it's, so, it's so dumb and so great that they have Tarzan Boy as their theme song. How the crowd sings, oh, well, oh, well, 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 oh, oh, like sings along waves their arms side to side they're just such a they're so good this was kind of like almost like a um a, a proving ground moment because like legitimately the best tag teams in the world are probably like young bucks and ftr right and guys like red dragon aren't too far off this was kind of like a moment where jurassic express got to prove by beating two of the other best tag teams in the world in a great match like this where they held their own 
um, that they belong in the tag division alongside these other great tag teams, and they deserve to be tag champions, which I think this is the, the first step of them doing, proving they deserve to be here. So, man, that's only two matches in. Uh, technically five out of the six, uh, five out of the twelve, sorry, so we're up to match six, so we're, we are halfway over the card. Oh, by the way, I did have Jurassic Express to retain there. I'm five for five at this point, as far as my predictions. Now you're thinking, oh, maybe they'll slow down, maybe they'll do a lesser title match, maybe they'll do something else. No, 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 we jump into the face of the Revolution uh, ladder match, a six-man match with <laughs> Keith, Limitless Keith Lee, Wardlow, Mr. Mayhem, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, <laughs> uh, Absolute Ricky Starks, Freshly Squeezed Orange Cassidy, uh, and Christian Cage. He doesn't really have a, a giant moniker to go with his name. He's just Christian Cage, and to be fair, he is a legend. Um, man, this was just a, this was just a fun spot fest. It was just really fun and creative spots after fun and creative spots. Um, the crowd getting into Keith Lee, you know, oh, basking his glory, will always be good. Wardlow getting a massive pop. Everything Wardlow did tonight got massive pops, all throughout this match and throughout some later segments as well. Wardlow was so over, and AEW have, have built a star out of Wardlow so well. Um, <laughs> the, the, like... Just trying to go through some of the spots. Orange Cassidy rolls into the ring and rolls all the way through to the middle and then past everyone else and then rolls out the other side of the ring, which I thought was great. Uh, he is amazing. Um, he comes back in while all the big guys are the only ones that are left. Like, there's this moment where all three hosses, like Wardlow, Keith Lee, and Powerhouse Hobbs, who are all massive, powerful men. They're all about to get into it, and then Orange Cassidy rolls back in the ring, and then he starts doing his his little kick spot, and the crowd are going, oh, oh, the whole time. <laughs> and he's doing it to these three big men who are surrounding him. And uh, Orange Cassidy is is breaking. Like, he's, he's breaking character. He's laughing. Because it's funny. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen Orange Cassidy at his best, like, go chase up some of the best stuff that Orange Cassidy has done. He's genuinely a really funny guy. Um, with the gimmick being that he's, he's, he's a, he's really lazy, he's stupid lazy, um, and the twist obviously being that he may be lazy, uh, but he's actually also just a good wrestler, and I love that about him. Um, there's a spot where he, he puts his hands in his pockets and walks up a ladder without using his hands, you know, it, it doesn't seem like much, but it is, uh, great. There is a moment where Team Taz members, Ricky Starks and uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, they're on the other side of the ladder. They're looking at each other like, oh, we're actually teammates. Are we going to fight? And they, they see who tries to get to the top of the ladder first. There's another moment where Wardlow starts climbing a ladder. Uh, Ricky Starks and Orange Cassidy grab onto him and he just keeps climbing and they're hanging off of Wardlow. Uh, and he's climbing up the ladder still. Like, what a powerful man. Uh, there's a moment where Keith Lee, and I think it's... Hobbs, uh, might also actually been Wardlow, but I think it might have been Hobbs and Lee. They're holding a, like either end of a ladder. It's like bridging between them. Um, they no no. So so Cassidy has grabbed a ladder and starts spinning it around and like, using it to attack people. Hobbs and Lee grab the ladder. 
and and they pick it up. So Cassidy is holding onto the ladder, hanging from the ladder between the two of them. And he literally just skins the cat, flips up and over onto the top of the ladder to try and grab the brass ring. By the way, for those who don't know, this ladder match, the way you win, is not a pin or a submission. Uh, it's a, uh, you gotta get to the top, you gotta get, there's a, like a brass ring, like a Sonic the Hedgehog golden ring type deal, right? Uh, uh, hanging from a, from a rope, or like a steel cable, I guess, uh, from the roof. And you gotta climb up a ladder, you gotta take it off the cable, and when you do that, you win. Seems easy enough, until five of the guys beat you up with, uh, metal ladders, um, and weapons and stuff, uh, while you do it. Not as easy as it sounds. Um, but you know, Alex Cassidy skins the cat, gets up on top of the ladder, reaches up for the gold brass ring, uh, then slips and, like, legit, like, it, it looks like he, he, he sells it as this, so he did very well, slips, his legs fall either into, into a, a ladder hole each, and he lands, groin first onto a ladder rung, and it looks painful, it looks bad. There's a moment where Hanorakasi, uh, actually, he got beaten up pretty bad. I think he actually got injured here, uh, like, in, in real life. Uh, the, uh, Orange Cassidy is actually out with an injury now. His shoulder popped out or something like that, like, pretty badly dislocated, I think. Um, Keith Lee just grabs Cassidy and literally chucks him over the top rope, out, and the... the <laughs> Christian Cage and Ricky Starks are on the ramp to catch Orange Cassidy. Like, the spot is, you know, should be safe, right? Keith Lee however is stupid strong so when he throws orange cassidy he actually throws cassidy over cage and starks so cage and starks catch half of orange cassidy i think it's the lower half and cassidy just goes crash into the ground um so yeah that was pretty bad but um the the three powerhouses start fighting um, the three, the three big men, the three hosses, they end up getting to the top of the ramp. Wardlow and Hobbs were working together to take down Keith Lee. They look at the ladder, they go, they look at each other, and they grab one side of the ladder each, and they rip, and they pull the ladder in half. Uh, they go to go beat up Keith Lee with the two ladder halves, and, of course, Wardlow's turned his back on Hobbs. Hobbs just smacks Wardlow with a ladder. Um, then Hobbs and Keith Lee are fighting, they go near the announce desk, they're fighting, they're punching, um, and then... Wardlow runs up and just, like, shoulder tackles both of them, sends them off the stage about 10, 15 feet down into some tables. They crash through a bunch of cables and stuff, and they're out. They're gone. They're out of the match. Wardlow goes back to the ring. Danhausen shows up, and those who don't know who Danhausen is, he's very nice, very evil. Go check him out. Um, he, I can't explain him without him sounding crap. Like, I genuinely can't explain Danhausen without it sounding bad. So you have to go see it for yourself. Look up Danhausen. It's one word. D-A-N-H-A-U-S-E-N. Um, Danhausen shows up, does a thing. Then Wardlow powerbombs Christian Cage. There's a, a ladder in the middle of the ring set up like a regular ladder. But then there's a, a bridged ladder, which where one part of the ladder is on a ladder rung. The other ladder is on the ropes. So it's like a, a bridge you can walk across. Um, Wardlow jumps up onto that ladder, on that bridged ladder grabs Ricky Starks, climbs up to the top, and then power bombs Ricky Starks from the top of one ladder onto the bridge ladder, and Starks takes it in a way that looks like he might actually have, like, broken his neck. Uh, he hasn't. He's not injured. Nothing's bad. Uh, he's, his head has disappeared in between two ladder rungs, though, and his body's just crunched and crumpled over itself, and he just laid there for a bit, like, like turned over himself. It looked bad. Wardlow climbs the ladder, grabs the ring, 
and he wins the match. So with that, with that, he, he's taken down the brass ring. With that, he has earned himself a guaranteed shot at the TNT title at St. Patrick's Day Slam, which I think is in two or three weeks from now. That's awesome. Wardlow's the right guy to win. It's got a great story with him and MJF moving forward. I can't complain about this at all. It was a good match. I loved it. Uh, everyone in this match is awesome. I'm glad they got a payday. I'm so it sucks that Orange Cassidy got injured, uh, but he's a comedy act. Um, he can he can still be on TV and be injured, or he can take a break if he wants. AEW does let their wrestlers take breaks. Uh, funnily enough, um, between this match and the next match, there was a segment where Tony Schiavone was at the top of the ramp, and he said that AEW's got a new major signing, uh, and it's Shane Swerve. Strickland. And man, I am so, so happy. Uh, we heard, uh, you know, dirt sheet rumors uh, from weeks ago that Shane Strickland had already signed with AEW. Um, this is just official confirmation, essentially, uh, on pay-per-view. There's a whole Swerve's House um, chant going on. He's so, he looks so cool, man. And he is so cool. He's a great wrestler. He's a hardcore wrestler, a high-flying wrestler. Was great on NXT. Hit Row was amazing. I'm so sad that they uh, they got fired, released. I didn't even want to say fired. They were released um, unjustifiably by WWE. But it looks like, you know, Swerve was always going to land on his feet. Um, so he's here in AEW, and I cannot wait for him to have some matches uh, someone said Ricky Starks versus Swerve Scott. Uh, Swerve, Swerve Scott. That was his WWE. Uh, versus uh, Shane Strickland. Yes, please. That'd be amazing. Um, seventh match on the card is Ty Conti versus Jade Cargill. Uh, Jade is. Mm. Uh, so Jade Cargill is dressed up as Jade from Mortal Kombat, and if anyone's seen what Jade Cargill looks like, she is, uh, carved from stone, this woman. She is built, um, so she looks great in this costume, like, actually looks amazing in this gear. Um, <laughs> goes to the ring, she's being played in by, uh, the guy, the man, uh, Kingfish, I believe his name is, I think I might have actually seen Kingfish. I might be wrong, and I hope I am. I'm not, because I'm. I feel I'm gonna feel bad if I am. But I'm pretty sure Kingfish appeared in an episode of Luke Cage at some point. He was like when Luke Cage, uh, the the Netflix show, when they were doing all the, um, like they would have like actual artists, a lot of African American artists show up and perform, in uh, in uh, Cottonmouths. Um, I think it was called Paradise, Harlem's Paradise, something like that. It's been a while since I've seen Luke Cage. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think I may have seen him in one of those episodes. He might have played I Put a Spell on You. I think that's the song he played. Anyway, he someone said he makes love to this guitar, and the guitar starts singing because of it, and it really, he's, he's a very talented musician. I loved this entrance. Um, then Jade enters the ring, Conti's already there, and she just plants a kiss on Conti, like an aggressive kiss on Conti to mess with her. And Conti steps back and looks at her like, what the hell are you doing? And like, everyone's like, yeah, what are you doing? Uh, obviously some people were like, yeah, what are you doing? And why aren't you doing more of it? Others are like, what are you doing? And clearly it was obviously some kind of like mind game tactic because Jade's like that. I, I mean, man, it's something else. I, I don't even know why. Um, people liked it. 
but the match itself was also good uh and uh is, is the main focus of this of what i want to talk about um cargill and conti are some of the most and best improved wrestlers um of aew period conti was going nowhere in nxt left went to aew showed immediate signs of improvement uh cargill People didn't even like Cargill when she first showed up at the uh, start of 2021. Now she is a legitimate ratings draw, and her her 28 uh, 29 sorry 29 and 0 winning streak, um, and her reign as TBS champion. I hope she's TBS champion for a year. I I hope she remains champion for a whole year, and just makes that title feel special, because the first person to beat Jay Cargill after a year, like. 50 victories and zero losses holding this championship. The first person to take it from her is going to get one hell of a rub. Like, it's going to make them look so good. And I think, you know, that's that's going to be awesome when it happens. So I think the longer they do hold off on it, the better, because Jade is just too good. Every match she gets better. She pulls off her, her amazing frog splash in this match. Uh, it's from the second rope, but it still looks really, really good. Like... And Jade's such a large woman, and the frog splash has such movement with the uh, the crunch and the the uh, the fold uh, movement that even a, a second rope one from someone like Jade looks amazing. Uh, there's a moment where Ty Conti climbs up to the uh, top rope, does the little crazy sign to the side of her head, uh, jumps off, moonsaults, takes out Smart Mark Sterling, uh, the worst lawyer in the world, and then just. Uh, Jay Cargill turns around and ruins Anna Jay with a pump kick. <laughs> I mean, ruins Anna Jay with a pump kick. Um, I, I think Anna Jay actually whacks her head on the table. It looks bad. Anna Jay returns in kind by smacking him with a steel chair when no one's looking, when the referee's not looking. But that didn't help uh, Ty Conti uh, really in the long run because Jade ends up hitting the Jaded and retains the title. Um, this was a good match. I think the thing that I enjoyed the most was the uh, the pump kicks. Jade and Conti have amazing pump kicks. Like, they just... Oh, they... Oh, it just ruins people's days, those pump kicks. Um, and I love watching both of them do them. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, Conti does hers in the corner. She does, like, the, the trio pump kicks. Jade just does these amazing ones. Like, Conti's look like they knock someone out. Like, they look they look rough. They look like they knock someone out or make them, you know, send them dizzy. Uh, they daze them. Jade's pump kicks look like she's kicking people's souls out of their bodies. So I will, um, I will always, <laughs> um, I, I love, yeah, I, I love their pump kicks. Great. I, I can't wait to see more from both of them. I love both of them. Punk versus MJF, the dog color match, which has had the most emotional build up. Uh, the, one of the best stories, one of the best rivalries in in not just modern wrestling i think this is one of the best rivalries in wrestling period this is wrestling mastery this story and i think if this is the final part of the story man it's it's a good ending um so mjf this 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 segment starts with uh cm punk's cult of uh, personality music hitting um, and it literally gets up to the, it gets up to the part, the first part of the verse, you know, look in my eyes, what do you see, the cult of person, and, and right there, as it goes to say personality, the, it cuts out and MJF's music starts playing, and the crowd just goes so ballistic, like, they were so mad, 
Um, he trolls them all, but he's not happy about it because he's not happy he's in this dog collar match because he's, he's chained up to his hero and they're going to beat the crap out of each other. But MJF, he strolls out to the ring and he's thinking he's got one over on Punk. And I'm even thinking in my head at this point, hey, we can't really do um, Call to Personality twice, can we? Punk's not just come out to Call to Personality having all the wind taken out of his entrance, is it? Nope. No, because the light's dead and and a song that I at first didn't quite recognize, and then I realized what it was as everyone started getting more and more excited. They remembered, like, people you can hear in real time, people at different times remembering this song, realizing what the song is. It's ring, it's, it's Punk's Ring of Honor theme song, uh, Misira Kante. <laughs> And Punk walks out in his Ring of Honor gear with the shorts and the ja uh, the jacket, and it's uh, it's it's he's just looking at the crowd and he's hearing people. You can hear people singing his theme song from Ring of Honor, and I was singing along, man. I've even gotten written here in bold some of the lyrics. You are now one of us. Ah, uh, I think I got the the cadence wrong on you are now a bit, but like just. I was singing along, man, uh, and Punk was so happy. There was the CM Punk chance. This, honestly, I actually kind of like this entrance more than his Cult of Personality entrance. Um, there's just something about this song. Um, it's such a great entrance. Hearing people actually sing along to it, um, and then seeing CM Punk after the after the whole pay per view at the media scrum actually start crying as he thinks about the match and the and the, the music and the entrance and get emotional like man like yeah i got emotional watching this like it's just oh it's so good to see a man's love for anything like cm punk loved wrestling and then he had that drained out of him and to see that love of wrestling come back in real time and watch this and him get so emotional about it and then for that to be followed up with this match this was a slow methodical brutal affair where where both men were bleeding punk especially he was i there's moments where you're literally seeing the, the blood isn't just pouring down his face you see it like squirt out of the wound on his head it's brutal his face is just red his hair is all stuck to his forehead from the blood they've still got the dog collars which the idea of the dog collar matches that both competitors have the dog collar wrapped around their neck, these thick leather dog collars, and then a, uh, 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 I think it's like a 20, like a 15 to 20 foot long chain between the two of them, um, to keep them together so no one can run away. Um, and they use the chain, they whip each other, there are some lacerations on their bodies from this, uh, they, they, they pull each other through and choke each other, like, it sounds brutal, and it is, um, but this is, like, this is the feud ender, um, fights. There's a moment where MJF pulls out thumbtacks. Um, <sighs> MJF, who goes through it first? I think MJF gets suplexed onto them, uh, which is bad, uh, bad enough as it is. But then there's a moment where Punk is down, and MJF calls out for Wardlow, who's his assistant at this point. You know, his his muscle man. Wardlow comes out, and MJF is calling for Wardlow to give him the dynamite diamond ring. Uh, and Wardlow's looking and checking all his pockets. You're like, huh? I ha I don't have it on me. I haven't been. I haven't brought it out. And he's just like, you got one. You had one job, Wardlow. You had one job. And then he turns around. CM Punk picks him up. GTS. He GTSs him. And gets him in the face. He takes a back bump onto the thumbtacks. 
And the look on MJF's face, you could just see his soul slowly leave this plane of existence as pain is all that is left inside of him. Um, and then Punk looks over at Wardlow, and Wardlow looks at Punk and goes, like, it's this, like, like, really forced, oh, wait, and checks his other pocket and pulls out the ring. Of course, it was in this one. He looks at Punk, and he puts the dynamite diamond ring on the ring and walks away. Wardlow turns face, and when this happens, when Wardlow puts the ring down, the crowd explodes, man. They are so happy about Wardlow turning face. Uh, and I was too, I was I'm cheering, like, this whole night I'm hooting and hollering, like, all the way through. Uh, Punk picks up the ring, puts on his finger, and just whacks MJF with a knockout blow. One, two, three. Oh. I, mm, great match, great story ender. I am so excited to see what happens with Wardlow uh, and MJF moving forward. Um, obviously, MJF is probably going to get Wardlow to give him the um, the TNT title. Wardlow's going to win the title, and MJF is going to force him to give it to him. And because Wardlow's contractually obligated to, he will. Uh, I will also say, I was actually, this was um, the first match that I got the prediction wrong on. Uh, so far, I was 7 for 7. I actually thought MJF might have won. I thought he was going to win the big feud here. He, you know, he, all the emotional manipulation and whatnot, he was going to win. But no, he lost, and I'm fine with that. I, I, I predicted two matches wrong on this whole card, uh, but whether I was right or I was wrong, I didn't mind, because I think everyone who won probably was right to win, with the only only argument maybe being uh, this next match, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Crowd was, a, was, was like... I don't want to say they were quiet, because they actually weren't. They were pretty lively the whole night. This is a crowd who sat through, like, five hours of, of wrestling, and they were there the whole way through. Uh, but they did get a little bit deader for this match. I, I feel like it was maybe placed in the wrong spot, because it had maybe a different match to get the crowd hype again. But because this was such an emotionally full match, this this Punk MJF one, uh, any match that came after it was going to suffer. And unfortunately, it was Britt and Rosa. And this was an okay match. But it kind of felt like it could never really get out of that second gear. I think part of that is because the interference spots with um, Jamie Hayter and um, Rebel are just constant. Um, I feel like so. What's what's happened is and like the match. There's not too much to go through. Um, I could go through spot for spot. Uh, I got a bunch of spots written here, but I actually think the the best way to talk about this match is to say uh, I think this is not the end. Oh, there was a belt spot, actually. I do want to mention there was a belt spot. Britt Baker hit uh, Thunder Rosa with a belt spot, and uh, Thunder Rosa kicked out, um, which I thought was awesome because Rosa is tough, and that's her character, who is, like, super tough, and obviously the rest of herself is tough. She takes some massive bumps and gets up and keeps going, so... Uh, but, um... For Thunder Rosa to take that belt spot and to kick out, and then to get, like, a, a visual pin, and then a visual tap-out win, like... I know some people don't care or don't like these too much. I think that they're okay storytelling elements. Um, you know, Thunder Rosa would have won if it wasn't for Rebel and Hader being there. So, Thunder loses, but it's clear that she shouldn't have lost without the interference. So, it, um, she's getting another chance. She and Layla Hirsch are going to have a match against each other uh, this week on Dynamite, I believe it is. Whoever wins is number one contender and gets to face Britt Baker in a match at St. Patrick's Day Slam. I think the rumor that I heard was that it might be a cage match. 
yes please. Uh, those two are amazing in hardcore environments. Um, but even even outside of hardcore environments, I mean, they. How do I put this? They're great wrestlers. I think they just need to get rid of the interference spots because I think it's actually interfering with the quality of the matches. How does that sound? Uh, and I think with the cage match, uh, the idea is that it gets rid of the interference spot, which is what you want. So um, I am really happy that if that's the case, that's going to happen. Um, I think we'll see Thunder Rosa win at St. Patrick's Day Slam because it's a year removed from their previous uh, match. And it's also in Thunder Roses. I think it's a hometown or a home state at the very least. She's going to get a big pop. They're going to be into it. She's going to win the match. It'll probably be the main event. I, it better be the main event, uh, that steel cage match. It'll either be the main event or be the opener because sometimes Dynamite likes to start with its major matches um, to carry on over from previous uh, viewership. So either one, but I do hope it's the main event. I hope it's how they close out the show is because like, if Thunder Rosa... And Britt Baker fight each other for the title on St. Patrick's Day Slam in Thunder Rosa's hometown in a cage. I think we'll get a new champion. I think Thunder Rosa might be the champion by the end of the month. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but that was the other match that I got wrong in predictions for. Because I actually kind of thought Thunder Rosa might win. Because I thought the whole story was Thunder Rosa's got Britt Baker's number. But clearly the uh, the interference spots were getting in the way of that. But you know, th I don't want to say this was the worst, show, uh, worst match on the card. I don't think it... I don't... I think it's the one I maybe enjoyed the least, but that could just be, you know, if I watched this match in isolation, I might have enjoyed it more. Um, but it was directly after Punk MJF, so that that's nothing on those women, uh, any of them, or the ref, or the booking, or anything. That's That 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 can almost not even be seen. Like, it's hard to see those through fresher eyes. And if I did, um, I might have enjoyed it a lot more. So that's nothing on them, because it was still a good match that got me pumped every now and again with certain spots, especially that belt spot. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, next on the card, uh, the 10th match. So we're, we're almost at the end, boys and girls. Um, it was John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. Uh, this is a match where two men walk into a ring and just start leathering each other. These moves were stiff. The, the suplexes were intense. But the, the, the chops, the punches, the slaps, and the kicks... Oh, man, some of those kicks. Oh, oh it was... Oh, man, like, it was like... I'd rather get whipped than be kicked by Brian Danielson, I'm pretty sure, at this point. I'd rather be whipped than be kicked by John Moxley. He's got some kicks in him, doesn't he? But yeah, that was, that was great. Um, this whole match was just two guys leathering each other, and I'm here for it. Um, it. It builds and builds. There's a bunch of really cool spots... Uh, until eventually, um, you know, Moxley is bleeding. They're still beating the crap out of each other on the outside. They finally roll back into the ring. There's blood everywhere. I think Danielson's got a small cut on his forehead, but Moxley's got a gusher. He's just got streaks of red going through his face. Um, they start trading submission maneuvers until Brian gets one on, on Moxley that he can't get out. He can't reverse it. It's into another submission, so he just reverses it into a pin. One, two, three... Danielson rolls out and is mad at the referee. He's like, no, he didn't pin me. And the referee's like, yeah, your shoulders were on the ground. Um, they were a little off the ground, actually. But like the, the spot was that Daniel's uh, uh, shoulders were on the ground. 
Uh, Moxley got the pin. The referee's like, my decision's final. You can't threaten me to make me change my decision. So Brian goes, sure, turns around and just starts wailing into John Moxley, who starts wailing back. They're fighting. The referee corps runs out to try and split them up. There's nothing that's stopping these guys from killing each other right here, right now, after the match. Until Lord William Regal, William Regal, walks out looking like the world's most disappointed dad. Walks out looking at these two like, I have taught you better than this. He gets in the ring and looks down at these two who are wrestling right now. And they get, they, he doesn't touch them. Moxley looks up and sees him and trolls off Brian Danielson and walks over to the other side of the ring. And Danielson gets up and starts laughing like, oh my god, the man who trained me, William Regal, who I have such a close connection to, he's here. And John Moxley, who also has a connection with Regal, um, who, you know, who uh, has also done stuff with Regal in the past, he's like looking at him like, I respect you, but man, I want to kill this guy. He's trying to get past Regal and he won't push past Regal. Regal's put his arm out, pushing him back. Moxley's like relenting because no one wants to get on the Regal's bad side. Um, and Regal then just smacks the taste out of Moxley's mouth. And Moxley, it's like, uh, just like, uh, completely like bewildered like that in that moment. He's like, oh my God, William Regal just smacked the hell out of me. So he stops and William Regal gets in his face and William Regal has gotten so close that he's like, he's touched his forehead against Moxley's and there's all blood down his face now. All of Moxley's blood's on his face. Brian Danielson's laughing this whole time, like, yeah, he's showing you. Regal turns around and smacks the taste out of Brian's mouth. And it's, he looks like a child who just got, like, who just got, like, hit by their parent. Like, he's got this look on his face, like, why did you hit me? Like, he looked kind of betrayed and like a, like a scared animal. It was like, looking back, it was kind of haunting, that look on his face. But also, genuinely, Brian's a terrible person. So it was also uh, funny to sort of watch. Like, the real person behind the wrestler is a really good human being, by all accounts. Um, the wrestler, the character of Brian Danielson, is a terrible human being, um, by also all accounts. So, it was it was kind of uh, humorous to see his entire expression just drop. And then Regal looks at both of them like, We can sort this all out, we can sort this whole company out, we'll deal with all of that later, but right now you two need to be better and shake each other's hands. And they shake each other's hands. And if this is the story moving forward, Brian Danielson, John Moxley as a tag team under William Regal, forming a faction with other guys like, and you know, Brian Danielson mentioned guys like Lee Moriarty and Wheeler Yuta and uh, um, uh, 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 Daniel Garcia. Uh, that faction, that six man faction, please, yes. <laughs> I want this so bad. I, ah, oh man. And, and I'm so glad that everyone, uh, I've watched uh, several reactions on YouTube um, from different uh, uh, people. And the reaction to William Regal coming out is the same for everyone so far. It's just, Regal! Regal's here! I was the same. I was the same. I, I popped out of my seat, man. I was so happy to see William Regal. I was I was so confused when they let him go from WWE. Uh, I, how, why? He's so good. He's got so much to offer a company as an on-screen talent, but also backstage as a trainer and talent scout. And Oh, he's so... It just didn't make sense to me. I love William Regal. Everyone does. Uh... So yeah, I was right though. John Moxley won. I, I predicted John Moxley. I thought he was going to win. Gets his win over Brian, which he never has had before, I don't think. I think he said that. I'm not sure if he has. He might have beaten him in WWE at some point, but it's WWE. They, 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 they it's, 
yeah um it's it's confusing uh with wwe sometimes they have so many matches it's also often so many of the same matches and all the house shows which technically none of them quotation marks are official so what can you do second to last match the match that everyone asked why is this on the pay-per-view card to which everyone in this match said oh this is why and it was just a nonsense match it was a tornado trios match so when it first was announced it was a trios match i was like oh that's okay it's uh, Andrade, Matt Hardy, and uh, uh, Isaiah Cassidy versus uh, Sting, Darby Allen, and uh, Sammy Guevara. I thought, like, that's okay. It'll be a fine clan- a palate cleanser. I know what the match is there for. I know what it's going to be about. I know what you, what, you, what you do with it, right? Well, they came out. And the first, there was a great video package by Darby Allen, which was, I think was fun. Um, and then... Darby comes out and rushes to the ring, slides in the ring, and like a bullet, man. Darby Allen is the living embodiment of just like constant motion, like just force and motion. He's so small and he throws all of his weight and power into everything he does, just huge, like a bullet, just bang into Andrade, knocks him out. The fight has started. It's a tornado match, so everyone's legal at all times. Um,. No disqualification, no countouts. The only rule is that you have to make the pin or the submission in the middle of the ring. Darby does this huge dive. Uh, they all start rolling into the crowd. Jose, the assistant, gets involved, and then they put him on a chair, and they put a bin over his head, and then Darby launches from the ring like a bullet again and just cr- caves the, 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 the trash can around uh, the ass- assistant's head. Um, poor Jose, man. Uh, you jacked psychopath. Uh, they eventually get out to the crowd. Uh, Sammy and Isaiah end up going to the, the ramp. Um, what's his name? Mark Quinn, who's Isaiah Cassidy's tag team partner, gets involved. They beat up Sammy. They set up two tables on the ramp, uh, on the stage. Uh, Isaiah climbs up even further up to the top of the like, the, the stage uh, decorations. Looks like he's going to jump off like the, the Jeff Hardy spot onto uh, Sammy. Sammy gets off the table, beats the crap out of Quinn, looks up at Cassidy and goes... I'm coming for you. Climbs up. They fight at the top there. Cassidy is dazed. Sammy grabs him. Does the uh, I'm crazy little finger thing to his ear. Which is what Ty Conti did before. And fun fact. They're dating. So I feel like that's that was intentional. They do the crazy thing. Sammy Guevara does a Spanish fly. The, the, the flips. Does the full flip. I love Spanish flies. They're so good. But does the Spanish fly. Flips around. Crashes through the tables below. It was brutal, man. It was a brutal spot. Meanwhile, over in the crowd, in the nosebleed section, um, <laughs> uh, there are four tables set up on top of each other. And at first it was looking like uh, Matt Hardy was going to throw Sting, who, by the way, Sting is a 62-year-old man. Matt Hardy's going to throw Sting off, off the, uh, out from the crowd into the entranceway through four tables. It's like a 10 to 15 foot drop, right? Sting fights out of it, sees that Andrade has has been laid out on the table. Uh, and Sting looks at him, 62-year-old Sting, turning 63 in two weeks' time, by the way. So nearly 63-year-old Sting. I'm screaming, you're in your 60s, Sting! You're in your 60s! Dude, what are you doing? You're in your 60s! Sting's like, I don't care, I'm almost, I'm almost 63. I want to do this. Jumps over the railing, from the crowd into the exit ramp, 
through four tables on Andrade. And just then gets up like it was nothing. Like, he's 62 turning 63 soon. And he's doing nonsense like that. Uh, like, this was a year ago. It was believed that he would only be able to do cinematic matches because he was too out of ring shape. And everyone around him was like, no, dude, you've actually got, like, explosiveness and strength and presence. Like, you might actually be able to do real matches. And then he did. And he just keeps on doing stuff like this. I think every time he's booked, he's like, well, I want to steal the show somehow, so I have to do something nonsense. Here, let me jump through four tables on top of Andrade from the from the, the, the audience into the exit ramp. That'll be something. Match ends where Matt Hardy takes uh, Matt Hardy and Darby Allen back up in the ring. Uh, Matt Hardy goes to puts Darby through uh, a chair, goes to go do a twist of fate. Darby counters it, uh, hits him with a chair, coffin drop onto Matt Hardy. One, two, three. Match is over. The good guys win. Such a great palate cleanser. Beautifully placed on this card. I couldn't have placed it better myself, to be honest. Uh, maybe maybe a bit earlier. Maybe to give the women's match a bit more energy. Like, put it before the women's title match, or at least before the Brian Moxley match, to, get, to give the energy back to the crowd a bit more. Uh, final match is Hangman Adam Page versus Adam Cole. Uh, Adam Cole's entrance is still over as all hell. Um, it will never get old watching a crowd go, Adam Cole, baby! It's always so loud every time. Um, he's so over and always will be because he's great. Um, Adam Page comes out. He's got the rainbow tassels, um, which it is in Florida. This pay-per-view was in Florida. And they just did the whole... Um, they did the... They passed that new nonsense bill um or trying to pass that bill um and hangman obviously being a previous school teacher previously being a school teacher um and also being an ally for the lgbt community um goes no screw that i'm, I'm gonna show my support for uh, the lgbt community um am i saying that right lgbtq plus i should say plus community um, I wasn't sure, I, was, I wasn't sure if I was getting the letters right. I think I might have been jumbling the letters up a little bit before. I might have gotten it right. Anyway, comes out with the rainbow tassels. It's great. I like it. I think it's awesome. Um, that's my, he's a, he's a world champion to be proud of, right? So, um, I'm in support of that. Comes out, match starts, and the crowd starts chanting, let's go Adam. Adam sucks. Both these guys are named Adam, obviously. Adam Cole, Adam Page. So the crowd just starts doing things like, let's go Adam, Adam sucks. Uh, there's a chant at one point, we want Adam. Uh, there's a, this is Adam. This is Adam. Uh, and there was another one which was, fight for Adam. Fight for Adam. And they were just like, they were like the whole match. Uh, well, they were for like the first half. But eventually, we got some Hangman chants, we got some Adam Cole chants, like, the match, as it progressed, people got more into the match. I mean, they were always into the match, obviously, because um, it's Adam Cole and uh, Adam Page. There are some great spots uh, in here. Um, there's a, there is a, uh, there is a, what's it called? It's an apron powerbomb. Um, you know, the Kevin Owens to Sami Zayn powerbomb, which just looks brutal. Uh, the huge bang into the... It just uh, will always look brutal. And as I'm... I literally, I was writing the notes, oh my god, apron powerbomb. 
But as I, I was about to write it, I look up, Adam, Adam Page is in the time that I picked up my pen and started writing, gotten onto the top turnbuckle from outside, climbed up to the top, done a... Uh, is it an Orihara? Is that the word? Orihara moonsault? I don't know. Uh, whenever Excalibur says it, he says it strained and loud. Orihara moonsault! You know, so I, I, can't, I can't tell if I'm saying it right, but he does his moonsault. Uh, there is... Oh, what else is there? Um, oh, right. Uh, I had so many ma- notes for this match. Um, the match is great until eventually Red Dragon comes out. Um, they they don't really interfere directly too much. Um, there is a point, however, where Adam Cole does a... <laughs> uh, oh, what is it called again? It's uh, Panama Sunrise. Yeah, he does the Panama Sunrise from the apron onto the ramp. So Adam Adam Page's head goes smack into the ramp. And then later on Red Dragon sets up a table and we're thinking, oh, he's gonna put you know, he's gonna put uh, Adam Page through the table. Adam Page reverses it. Dead eye, head first, Adam Cole goes through the damn table. And it's at this point in time that the Dark Order comes out to support to see if Hangman's alright. They're helping Hangman up, and Hangman just pushes Reynolds off of him, like literally physically pushes Reynolds. And Reynolds just uses that momentum to launch into a brawl with Red Dragon. Um, but on being the elite, they did reference that uh, Reynolds isn't happy with Hangman. Um, so I, I, I wonder if that's going to be an actual storyline on the on Dynamite moving forward. I hope it is. I hope they reference the fact that Hangman hasn't been the best of friends with the Dark Order. That'd be awesome. Um. Oh, you know what? Okay, I'll talk about it later. Um, but yeah, the Dark Order chases Red Dragon off. Um, it's just Adam Cole and Adam Page. Adam Cole hits a few finishes. Uh, there's a great moment where Adam Cole hits Pink Panama Sunrise, some super kicks, and then he hits his finisher, which is lo- which is lower the boom, which is a knee to the back of the head. But when he does it, he you know lower the boom. He literally takes his knee pad and pulls it down, so it's just his bare knee hitting the back of your head. Um, he didn't. He just left the knee pad on. He hits it, one, two, kick out just before three, and Excalibur, who was great, by the way, Excalibur turns around and says, oh, oh, he didn't drop his knee pad. He just wanted to keep the momentum going. He was in the moment. He just wanted to hit Adam Page with as much as he had, so he didn't take the knee pad down. So he, this this move wasn't done properly. He didn't get the full force of the impact. That's why it didn't work. It's like, oh, Excalibur, you, you beautiful human being. I love that explanation because it gives a reason why that finisher didn't finish the match uh, as much as just Adam Page being a badass. Adam Cole goes to hit the lower the boom again, and this time Adam Page, rather than countering it in any particular way, he just goes, oh, I'm just going to drop down. He just falls over so he can't get hit in the back of the head. <laughs> Great. Adam, Adam Page then eventually beats up Cole a bit. Then he hits the boom. He literally drops his knee pad and hits Adam Cole on the back of the head with his own move. Uh, and then does a... Um, a uh, Buckshot Lariat. Takes Adam Cole's head off. One, two, three. Wins the match. Um, crowd cheers. And that's the end of the pay-per-view. People always expect a, a huge twist or a debut or a turn at the end of these pay-per-views. I honestly think this pay-per-view was better for not doing that. Uh, I think every pay-per-view moving forward is better for Revolution not having a shock debut at the end of it. Because we don't want to get into this habit of uh, the audience expecting there to always be a shock debut or return or something. 
the champion winning and defending his title and the crowd going home happy should be something that more pay-per-views will do because then when the debuts actually happen, they will still be shocks and they'll still be exciting and they'll still be special. Um, you know, and always, you know, a shock debut stops being a shock when you expect it. So, so that was the pay-per-view. Um, 12 matches, two debuts, a returning Don Callis, Everyone who should have won, won, except you could almost argue Thunder Rosa should have won tonight, but I, I get why. Uh, she's probably winning in hometown in two weeks, which will get a huge pop. It'll be a great moment. I can't, you know, I can't fault them too much for that. Maybe they could have had a different number one contender for Revolution. Could have had, like, a different person win. Um, like, win, win, win the number one contendership. Um, but no, it's fine. It's ultimately not terrible booking. It's just maybe booking that could have been a little bit more smoother. Uh, I loved this pay-per-view, top to bottom. Uh, I, I sat there for five hours and watched this. Now, it's hard for me to sit through things for five hours. Um, sometimes I watch things I like and I'm actually kind of like skipping through parts every now and again. Um, like certain cartoons, I might skip a, you know, might, might try to speed it up a little bit because I, I have trouble paying attention sometimes. Uh, I have trouble focusing sometimes. So, it is a compliment to say that I was able to sit through these five hours, and I had such fun. And I wish, uh, you know, I, I do wish I had people uh, that watched wrestling with me. I would love to be able to sit there for five hours with someone else and just mark out with them because I marked out through this whole show. Uh, I marked out for all the best spots. I marked out for, um, for for the returns and the entrances and the oh man, like it was a it was a, an emotional night in some ways. It was an awesome night in others. Everyone who won deserved to win, and the stories moving forward. Oh, I cannot wait for it to be Thursday. I cannot wait to see the next episode of Dynamite. Um, so. Yeah, that is mm, great. Um, I was going to say before, I think, and this is probably not going to happen, but I think it'd be awesome. I think a match between Hangman Adam Page and Alex Reynolds would be amazing. Like, that is the next feud. That's a feud no one sees coming, that no one expected, that pays off in the Hangman Dark Order issues. And you know what? I want it to be Alex Reynolds because I feel like he sometimes gets forgotten. Because his tag partner is, is John Silver, Johnny Hungy, the meat man. Um, you know, John Silver's great. Um, but Alex Reynolds almost gets forgotten because he's the straight man of the two. Um, but I think he's awesome. And I think it'd be great if he and Hangman had a feud. I think if they feud, that'd be awesome. Um, just because it's, it's something that no one's seen coming. Give something for Hangman to do. Uh, Reynolds can flex some of his uh, his promo work and his solo competitive work and all that stuff. I think it'd be awesome. Um, puts the spotlight back on the Dark Order where it belongs. Dark, Dark Order obviously belong to be beloved um, and and shown to be great because they are. Yeah, I I think that'd be awesome. Um, obviously. TBS title, anyone can go for it. Um, don't know who's next. 
for that. Um, Britt Baker is probably losing to Thunder Rosa at uh, St. Patrick's Day Slam. CM Punk might be wanting to vie for the world championship sooner than later. MGF is going to have his problems with Wardlow. Wardlow is going to be TNT champion. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in, in this. So I am super happy with, with everything moving forward. Um, I genuinely cannot wait until the next episode of Diamond just to see where it goes because there's so much to get excited for. Well, either way, um, I've been talking for about an hour and 15 minutes about this. Um, so I don't think there's much more to say. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's plenty more that could be said, but I think uh, I'll wait until uh, the next Dynamite and the next Rampage uh, and see what happens. Uh, so if you like this, if you liked uh, me reviewing this, and if you even like maybe the style in which this, this particular uh, podcast was in as opposed to my previous ones... Uh, let me know. Comment, like, share on YouTube, uh, listen on Spotify, and maybe comment on YouTube or even on our social medias. Uh, you know, Nerds Paradise, Comic Thoughts, we all have them. Um, go and let us know. Get the algorithm loving us. Uh, share me share me about. Uh, I know I'm not the world's best wrestling reviewer. I've never actually done a wrestling show review before, so that's part of the reason why. But, um, you know, if you enjoyed it, let the world know. Tell, the, tell people what you enjoy. Like how I told you that I enjoyed this show. J just let people know what you like. And, and enjoy liking them. Never let anyone tell you that uh, what you like is, is lame. Because trust me, as a wrestling fan, as a comic fan, as a toy collector, I have had people tell me what I like is lame. <laughs> um, but they're wrong. They are wrong. What you like is cool, and if what you like is me, then you're then you are also cool as well. Take care, everybody.